Welcome to episode number five of the Local Lingo Podcast. My name is Christopher Collins. I'm a man with a microphone. And uh, my name is Vicente Lopez, and I'm a man that owns, uh, doesn't own a raccoon, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. That's like future goals. I would like to one day, but we're starting off the episode in a kind of an odd place. But we thank you for coming along for the ride. We got a lot of things to get into, especially with our guest that is coming up. Uh, so we're, we're excited to dig into it. 100%, 100%. Listen, uh, you know, we work in education. We're teachers. Uh, my kids won't stop talking about the uh, the Mortal Kombat film. Oh, yeah. It comes uh, up a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, you yeah. don't seem to, you know into it though can, uh, can you explain me, well me. actually first before we before we <laughs> delve into yeah, it yeah, go. uh spoiler warning right if if you somehow care about the plot of mortal Kombat, i mean it, you know what you're getting into before you yeah. see it right like people get punched and and or die at the same time not in that order it's literally but, got the same plot line of, as uh as 50 shades of gray literally the exact same plot line like you just yeah you, you mm. said people get punished and then people die no, well, uh, mm, <laughs> is, that, like is that not how that movie works? Is that is not, that not I, the plot line of it? Okay, well, then I need to see Fifty Shades of Grey, apparently. <laughs> or you need to rewatch it is what you mean. No, I've never seen it. I mean, if, if it's got like Goro-esque themes, then I'm, I'm down to dig into it. But uh, yeah, if you're worried about spoilers, you want to make yeah. sure you're, you know, kept pure from our <laughs> our banter. Then oh, please, your ears. Like, uh, you know, the little, what, like, fast forward 30 seconds button, just click that, like, like eh, 20 times? I don't know. I, how long is that? We'll see. That's not the entire episode. I don't don't, don't ask me episode. to do math on the podcast. Like, don't. <laughs> okay. Don't. Again, we're English teachers, so that's not our forte. But So, okay. so you, you know the way I am with movies. We, um, mm -hmm. a long time ago, pre-COVID, we, we, we got the gang together and uh, ordered food and yeah. uh, attempted to watch parasite well i attempted to watch parasite with you all okay and uh listen i am a notorious cinema sleeper i love to mm. fall asleep during movies i don't love to fall asleep during movies i just i do i do yeah. and i remember the beginning of parasite and then i remember the end as i woke up and you all were like oh my god did he fall asleep during like throughout the whole movie <laughs> okay um jeez i okay Look, I can attest to this. It just it was seamless. If you haven't seen Parasite, please do yourself a favor, watch it. It's incredible. A yeah. uh, lot of twists and turns, but apparently not enough to keep Chris awake <laughs> as they were happening. I mean, it was just a fucking roller coaster of a movie. There were there were so many things that were uh, you have an idea of where it's going to go, and then it yeah. doesn't end up there. And I turn <laughs> to one of like the most climactic <laughs> parts of the movie, and he's just out like a light. <laughs> Callback to like Drake. a light. Uh, wait, so, did you say callback to Drake? That's not Drake. That's that Travis Drake? Scott. Well, that's a Travis they, Scott line. Uh huh. But it wasn't it. it the song is featuring Drake, but it's it was on a Drake song. No, it's the yeah, same it was thing. on a it's Travis not, Scott song, dude. You need to stop no, while you're ahead. No. <laughs> okay, look, look. Anyway, to further show my <laughs> expertise in media, Mortal Kombat. Um, driving back into that. So, okay, it's not a critically acclaimed movie. No. It just came out on like HBO Max. So mm -hmm. I would argue that if you're watching in your jammies, right, 
and and like you're going into it with the idea that you're going to see people punch like yeah of course like you, you may get a tad comfortable but like what was the reason that you weren't super invested in the movie i'm curious um see here here here's the thing i was interested in it i think just for the fatalities and mm. the fatalities mm -hmm. were for me i don't i waited way too long for the first one and i yeah. think because of that weight i just i lost interest i i did try to stay awake because i was telling myself you know what like it could get better it could get better don't get me wrong the intro <laughs> i loved yeah the opening scene of that movie where you Super see good. scorpion's character lose his family uh, and I'm trying to recall this so that you don't, you know, call me out for getting information wrong. Um, uh -huh. And then I don't know. We're introduced to this. OK, the main character set me straight here for a second. The main character cool. is not an actual character in the game, right? No, he's, this is he's a like new a creative character. character. Yeah, okay. just like some random dude. Uh, and that's cool. Like it's taking artistic liberties were saying like hey random guy i don't know maybe they want the audience member to feel like just a cardboard piece of paper in the movie themselves they like are feeling that um what's it called voyeuristic you know identity with that character he sucks uh the actor himself like i'm sure he's a great actor but yeah, he just the lines were not written great for him yeah and i mean you're not wrong like there there was a lot of lulls in it it's it's like slathered with that 21st century action crap where it's like we have to know why they're punching yeah. each other and then like once they start the action it's like it's a lot of jump cuts it like suffers from like uh like marvel-esque action scenes where it's like blur 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 punch 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 blur blur yeah. and it's like you don't really know where people are uh but yeah, the narrative is not what you should go into if you're going to watch and, a Mortal Kombat movie. And that's the thing. I mean, it's a video game movie and not that video yeah. game movies are bad, but there is going to be mm. that certain level of like cheese, you know, yeah. like there, there, there has to be because Mortal Kombat in and of itself, it's not a cheesy game at all. But I mean, eventually, what do you think it's cheesy? I absolutely think it's cheesy. You think it's cheesy? I, See, I don't want to piss people off, but okay. I mean, uh, it's made itself cheesy, right? Yeah. Because yeah, like of it's, the consistent repetition of like the fatalities and what are they going to do? Right. They're going to one up themselves. And like you do have characters with like, you know, really cliche dialogue and everything. And I think everybody's right. favorite like cheesy character, like Johnny Cage was teased at the end. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, there's going to be a part two to this. Yeah, but you have to you have to agree that Kano was like, uh, did you watch ah, until yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, no, no, Kano no, no. was like a show stealer. He was like immaculate and incredible, uh, like super reminiscent of like the '90s movie Kano. Okay, which yeah. don't get me started on the '90s movie because like no, I, I gush about that incredibly. We'll, it, we'll it's stop like we'll leagues stop. better than this modern one. Please watch it if you haven't. It is horrendous in the best way possible. Uh, but. Like with Mortal Kombat, there's a certain level of cheese that's expected. Uh, yeah. Like, yes, it was known for ultra violence, but it was also known for its like babalities and like friendship <laughs> and ending oh, yeah, moves, yeah, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, it, it didn't take itself too seriously, and so to a, to a certain extent, the movie takes on those same themes of like, you know, just saying at certain points like, oh, fatality or Kano wins, <laughs> like, yeah, like it's like, yeah, you're you're paying homage to the games and whatnot, but you know, 
the CGI at points was kind of dodgy. The the narrative sure. wasn't super great. Why are we following Cole, who could have been written well, but just was not? So, like, there are merits to, like, it wasn't the best movie. But, Which, like, you should never go in with the expectation, like, this Mortal Kombat movie is going to change my life. <laughs> like, yeah. It's gonna, you know? Are there are there any video game movies that are just like really really good? Because I saw that there was a Monster Hunter movie, and I'm gonna be oh. honest, I can't imagine that that was good. I've never played no. Monster Hunter. I know mm-hmm. a little bit about it. I know you play it. I'm like super heavily into Monster Hunter World right now. I can't I'm see like, that movie being good. I know the no. video game is a classic, but I do not see the movie being good. Resident Evil was. Mm. I feel like Resident Evil is exactly like the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like at first they knew yeah. what they wanted to go for. And then it's like all of a sudden they're flying helicopters and tanks. Now and we're in space. And, yeah. Mark? Yeah. So like, like that's the thing with like um, video game movies in particular. It's almost yeah. like a curse where it's mm-hmm. like both on both sides. When a movie is made into a video game and video games made into a movie. Uh, there's this like this something's lost in translation with yeah. like the inability for the person to invest themselves as the character. Yeah, that's when the narrative gets taken over. And like with Resident Evil, like I mean, that movie had some good, like it has a great story to take from. And so do a lot of these video game movies. But then you yeah. get the director's wife in it, then it's that's like all focused on her. And it's not that that's a bad thing, but it just doesn't wasn't done well. And I'm I'm struggling to think of a good video game movie aside from the '90s Mortal Kombat because that, that's a treasure. Please watch it if you haven't. Yeah. Raiden is like canonically in the games, uh, like an an Asian elder god, right? In the '90s movie, he's played by the whitest man imaginable, <laughs> and it's so good. I cannot picture him <laughs> being played god. by any other person. It's problematic for sure, but yeah. like. Um, I don't know it has a certain charm about it and that might be just like 90s nostalgia but like the, the, the music the, the action scenes it's like peak 90s yeah uh yeah it, it's just like a fever dream but any other video game movies i'm like struggling to think of the one that pops out to me here's the thing and i think this could potentially be a, a, a game changer is the last of us tv show that's oh, set yes. to start filming um uh, with yes. um what's his name pedro, pedro pascal oh my yes. god i am excited yes. uh-huh. and i feel body like the body i feel like the last of us has just enough narrative there i mean mm-hmm. it has more than enough narrative there to yeah. really make this a tv show that could be applicable that could be watchable by literally anyone who has interest in you know like a zombie style like television right. show and there's a lot to to grab from that because yeah. The Last of Us, if you if you haven't played it, it it's based in like a, a zombie esque world, uh, but it has a lot of the themes that are akin to something like The Road, where it's like the real monsters are humanity, and while that's like kind of cliche, it, it delves into like okay, being pushed to the brink and the choices that you have to make in fate, in spite of this apocalyptic scenario. Like in yeah. the end, it's it's people's choices that push them. Uh, beyond just needing survival and, and wanting to take uh, cruel actions and others. And so yeah. HBO has a, has a really good talent of taking and plucking ideas out of thin air and then, you know, driving them forward into a, a form that's, you know, like, great, like Mortal Kombat, the perfect example. Like, we didn't mm-hmm. even know that it was being fucking made until there was a trailer for it. It looked sick. And honestly, the movie was like six out of 10 for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
could have been better, but it was, you know, it was fun for what it was. But like all those, all these miniseries, like uh, what's it called? The Nevers that's on there as okay. well. It, it's super good, super well-established. So that just gives me hope for something like that yeah. where it's more episodic. And I think that that could be more manageable as opposed to, you know, I don't know, a million dollar budget. And they're like, hey, make this video game good. We yeah. can get sales for games and you can get movie tickets. And that that just doesn't end well. Exactly. And I feel like after playing The Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal is just like he's he has established himself as the actor who can portray a certified badass in oh. whatever universe you need him to uh, yeah. t- to be a badass in. And I'm super excited to see his portrayal of is he playing Joel or is he playing like so. a version? Of, OK, I so, believe he's playing Joel. I like I, I haven't looked at all the intros. But. I'm I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because yeah, that yeah, he's been game, playing a father yeah, for yeah. how many seasons? Exactly, exactly. Like he's gonna take what he did in Star Wars and just or Star Wars in The Mandalorian and just mm. completely, completely, completely run with it. So we got a lot to look forward to um, in regards yeah. to video game uh, movie movies, cinema. Yeah things like that uh, one thing uh listen we got to talk we got to talk about the uh, the elephant in the room we definitely uh. have to address the elephant in the room <laughs> so <laughs> i uh, um listen I we have an instagram page we have a facebook we have a twitter and i thank you for that you know right just being super transparent here for everyone listening uh you know uh you establish the socials um mm-hmm. i do a lot of the editing um and well, this is the worst time to be a teacher because we've been, you know, state testing through star and, you know, experiencing that mm-hmm. for the first time. And you'll, you'll get to hear a little bit about that in, in just a, just a little bit, but um, it's been a rough time. We haven't been able to post on, on the socials as much as we've wanted to. So we agreed mm-hmm. to, uh, to further promotion by, you know, you, creating a post and well you didn't so i had this crazy (laughs) idea of uh on on how to punish you which was to pit us against one another and so yeah that was the point that was the point well it ended up backfiring so (laughs) i had the idea i I messaged vicente and i'm like listen send me a selfie um and first off you sent me a picture of you and your wife and i'm not mm-hmm. about to bring your wife into this so i was like okay no okay me but another I, selfie let me defend myself super quick you have to understand listener that the picture i sent him was gold for what he wanted to do of course i had a purposeful double chin in the picture it was tasteful the lighting was atrocious like it was it was all around the, the best picture that he could have chosen well okay we're gonna we're gonna dive further into that i'm setting up the scene right now so i decide you know what uh, we're gonna do a a hypothetical here we're gonna pit you know me up against vicente and this is our hypothetical if mm. you had to choose one of the co-hosts of the local mm-hmm. lingo podcast to mm-hmm. uh to bring home for dinner to meet your parents, which uh, co-host would you bring? And um, I took a selfie, which, you know, I tried to match your your enthusiasm in yours. You had uh, you had some duck lips going on. You, I had, you, not you know, my duck lips, though. my my mean mugging, uh, my mean mugging look. And um, 
Dude, you just absolutely demolished me on the page. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. It seems like, like the listener or the average listener would like mm-hmm. to bring you home. Um, right. To uh, to meet their parents. Uh, Very over flattering, dinner. by the way. I appreciate it. And here's the uh, thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Uh, like I think, think the Academy. I, I think the beard is throwing people off. I think people feel a little threatened by the beard. I've been told that before. People feel threatened by the beard. Listen, um, I know that uh, I have a burly exterior, uh-huh. but, but underneath this burly exterior, um, I'm a sweetheart. Be honest, yeah. you know. Yeah, bear, bear I, uh, is a, is an aesthetic, dude. Like um, you, who said you could talk right now? All right, <laughs> well, now is not, not your time. Now is not your time. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm a sweetheart. I am. You know, I'll as, I'll as say. I, I like I said in the post, I'll bring flowers to your mother. I'll smack <laughs> talk your dad's favorite sports team just to get under his skin a little bit, and then I'll say a comment that'll be you know. That'll, that'll that'll get me back into his good graces while you bring Vicente, you know, mm-hmm. who, who knows, who knows what's going to happen. He's probably going to get drunk off of Rosé and, wow. you know, piss in your bushes or something. And here uh, I am just <laughs> just just epically, just epically, epically getting crushed in the standings like it wasn't even close. First it was of all, there, there's difference in aesthetics completely i'm just saying like i took a pretty poppy selfie i was like i had really puffy eyes because i was like you had just woken me up from a nap which by the way that's what's been keeping me from posting i'm like yeah, i'm gonna take a 15 minute nap that turns into a four hour nap and that like you know what he, like a seven day nap you can't post no i had not to the watch time. the mortal Kombat no, not the time. <laughs> okay <laughs> It was for the watch it a thousand times. What is yes? It was for the pod. Okay, look. Anyway, um, put myself on the fence. There's different aesthetics going on. You know, you got the bear look. I got the otter look. And I guess, like, just for the for the listener at home, maybe they have a certain preference. Again, I appreciate it. I like to thank the academy. I'd like to thank Jesus and Satan. If it weren't for both of them, they, you know, wouldn't happen in the first place. But you're about to get you know. uninvited. OK, <laughs> and then they're going to come back to me and be like, listen, we made a mistake. And I'm going to be like, nope. Uninvited oh, no. to what? Uninvited <laughs> to dinner, man. That was the entire thing. <laughs> oh, no, no, I get that. No, no, no. OK, like to, to address your accusations, by the way, Please. I would ask before I pissed in the bushes. Maybe they need some hydration. Who knows? Like maybe I'm doing your house a favor. I, and and one glass of rosé is not objectionable to like, you know, it's been a long time. The last time I drank was was New Year's. And it did not go well. So it's like, you know, I'm still dealing. Oh, it did. It did. We got videos. We got videos. We got we got pictures. I mean, you, do not. <laughs> you, you, you need you to do watch not. your step. That's what you need to do. And mm, mm. in introing anyway. today's episode, um, we, we've been wanting to do an episode um, about education for a while now. Um, we were wanting to find the appropriate time to discuss education, which, you know, we chose right after our state tests, uh, because Hmm. this is when emotions are high for both teachers, students, admin, everyone involved in education. Uh, But also we wanted to find a guest that we could have a conversation with um, that would be understood and be relatable to all listeners because we are not an education-based podcast uh, and we don't want to eliminate any members of of our audience. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and we wanted to to lend a voice to to get some ranging insight to education because of course, like we're still new to the game, right? Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of years under our belt, but there's a lot of experiences that we just we haven't seen. And yeah. so to get her perspective is invaluable to, to give a different lens as to what's going on now and, and through the years of education. And, and of course, yes, it's like high stakes at the moment. Yeah, um, definitely. There's you know, a lot riding on, on these tests that are arguably not the, the, <laughs> the best measurement of, yeah. of a student's success, but um, that doesn't paint a picture of, of the entirety of education, much like Mortal Kombat, right? It's just kind of chaos at times, <laughs> controlled chaos going along everywhere. And, and, and much like the polls, you know, that we just had for the post, like sometimes you just, just get decimated and, and it, it's not in your hands. Continuing <laughs> to go full circle with these, you know, sometimes like, I think our tangents are just so far out there. There's no way to just kind of mm -hmm. like reel it back in, but look at you. You're just, you're trying, you're trying so hard and, and succeeding. And that's what education is. It's always bringing it back <laughs> full circle. And we're so happy to have a guest that we can have a conversation with and bring into the insights about not only uh, education during COVID, because I know a lot of people are curious about like, you know, how is that yeah. even happening in the first place? Get a place? whole lot of questions. Yeah. Whole yeah. Lot of questions. But also just how is uh, culture embedded into the classroom, Absolutely. right? Uh, local lingua, we're all about culture, uh, you know, all in and out it. in the valley. But how does that, how is that exemplified in the classroom? How do we give students the chance to voice their own culture or even find their own identity? which at the, you know, the age range, uh, you know, that we're teaching at, that's the biggest question that's on our students' minds is, is finding out who they are and the ways that they can genuinely express themselves without being too cringe that, you know, they'll regret it <laughs> or yeah. like an apology post, you know, 15 years down the road, you know, we're, we're guiding them. We're, we're getting them there, but exactly. you know, it's a conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, to bring in our guest, um, our guest today, um, is just is a phenomenal human being. Uh, she's completing her 12th year uh, of teaching. I believe I was year two uh, of I was in year two of of her uh, of her teaching career. So I was really, really early on. And I can tell you sitting in her class, my sophomore year of high school and sitting in her class, my junior year of high school, there was no way that any of us could tell that she had only been doing it for a handful of years. Um, I knew her as Miss Gonzalez, but uh, Mrs. Avila, Mrs. Evelyn Avila is just the epitome of uh, a teacher. She is a perfect combination of the teacher from Freedom Riders. If the teacher from Freedom Riders was from Chicago, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> absolutely Um I just, God, there's just so much I could say because there was just so much influence from her, uh, from her establishing my confidence in writing to her critiquing my band's lyrics to her kicking me in the ass when I absolutely needed it. Uh, and, you know, later on down the road, inspiring me to become a, uh, a teacher. I cannot thank this woman enough. You know, they say, you know, don't meet your heroes. Obviously, I didn't know she would become a hero of mine, uh, but I can proudly say, you know, stay close to your heroes. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Local Lingual Podcast, Mrs. Evelyn Avila. Thank you so much. It's good to see you guys. 
Good to meet you. Yeah. So diving right into it, a uh, little bit of background. We kind of prefaced this before we started recording, but uh, let's talk about growing up in Chicago, Jordan era Chicago. Tell us what it was like. What was the vibe like? What were you listening to? The culture? Describe it. Let me see. My background is pretty diverse. I'm Puerto Rican Mexican, but my family um, is pretty much eclectic. Um, my grandfather's Japanese American, World War II internment camp uh, survivor, and he married a Puerto Rican woman, my mother's mother. And so my family uh, is very, very diverse. Uh, inner city Chicago public school kids, I tell students like, if you've ever seen Gangland on the History Channel, that old like Gangland, that's kind of where I grew up. Uh, public school kid, supposed to be a statistic, a teacher in sixth grade who I still talk to. Um, a teacher in sixth grade who I still talk to saw potential in me. There was a program in the school district for inner city kids to get a higher jump in education. And so I went to this, uh, this very <laughs> privatized school mm-hmm. for sixth grade. Like I finished sixth grade, went to summer school in seventh grade to do like algebra and thesis statements because public school education was not having it in the inner city. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got a scholarship to go to a predominantly white, very rich school that even to this day costs more than UTRGV to attend. So the era of affirmative action. Yeah. So little brown girl in a very white society transforming um, from inner city to how to behave in a man's money world happened in high school. Major transformation. Oh my God. Gosh, yeah. Talk about identity crisis. Like, you know, everyone looked like me and now no one looked like me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is, I went to, oh my God, it was 1995. I started high school, which now I just aged myself. So (laughs) you're good. You're good. No, it's not. It's not good. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. We're going to take a tally as to how many times you say like you aged yourself. And that's tally number one. Yes. Tally number one. So, um, but it was uh, very much, I was supposed to be a statistic and I'm not first in my family to go to college. So I went from public school to private school to Catholic college, St. Mary's in Notre Dame, Indiana. And then I moved to the Valley. So talk about culture shock my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> like my whole multiple life. times. God. What, what brought you to the Valley? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, <laughs> family. My dad was a migrant. My dad's a migrant and I, mm-hmm. he is Mexican, Mexican American, but he's very much American. And so, uh, his, he was raised with his grandparents. Essentially his grandparents kidnapped him and his parents are from the valley. Oh, yeah, oh, wow. so I'm telling you like family stories, abundance, abundance. Yeah. 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 And so uh, my grandmother was sick and he wanted to spend some time getting to know his, his mother and father and his grandparents and Chicago prices. By that time, my parents finally bought a house. We were renting up until the time I was what, in eighth grade. And so I was basically navigating the city by myself. Like I was on the buses. I was on the train from the time I was 12 to 18 plus. Like Chicago was like, Free for all, kind of yeah, go where you it, want. It was your playground. Which is super ridiculous. 
because I don't even let my children out of my sight. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. My children are like right there with me. Yeah. I'm like, I can't imagine them growing up in that city like that. But uh, we came down to be closer to my grandparents. So I had already finished college. So, but it was still a shell shock, still a culture shock. But this is year 17, 18, 19, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, still culture shock for me. In a lot of ways. Uh, we've done an episode um, about, well, like streetwear. It was episode number one, which yes. you, you told me you, you binged the podcast. So yes, uh, I did. One, thank you for enduring that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, but uh, Chicago is the epicenter of, of, of streetwear. To, today, it's known as, I mean, basically, Jordan just revolutionized everything. Like growing up, what were people wearing? What were the what were the fashion trends? What were people listening to? So I'm ghetto Chicago. Like okay. I, I'm ghetto Chicago. And so I was ghetto poor Chicago. <laughs> so uh, that was the difference. So Michael Jordan uh, era, I was in middle school, but we could never afford uh, tickets to the game. I was lucky enough to win a raffle. Oh, I don't even know. I, in sixth grade, my teacher was just amazing. Like, you know how you have those teachers that, like, totally change your life? Yeah. Uh, sixth grade, my teacher know. totally changed my life. Uh, she got me into that program to get me out of the inner city schools. But she, we made a cow. I don't know what for. I don't remember. I have no clue. It was some kind of raffle for milk. And like it was like, okay, we couldn't have bad food. And so we made this construction cow. And they entered everyone... You got to understand my elementary middle school. Like I tell people it's, it was a block long, four stories high. Like it used to be an old high school. Actually it was a high school. My parents attended before they changed to an elementary middle school. Like city life is so different. Right. So of course, like, I know you, you asked me about where and Jordan. So I'm going to get to the clothing in a second, but um, it was a raffle. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in class, like waiting for announcements, like they're not going to call me. They're not going to, no, they didn't call me. They called like 12 kids that they were raffling off to go to a Chicago Bulls game. And I was the last thing. I'm like, my mom was like, if they don't call you, like you put all these hours in to make this stupid cow. That was not the word she used. Because <laughs> my parents are very Chicago and every other word is an F bomb. Yeah. And so. <laughs> So that, that's that's my growing up life. And she's like, if they don't take you to the raffle, so I was the last one called, and that was the only Bulls game I went to. It was 1992, and my parents, well, we couldn't buy Jordans, but we like they brought me a jacket, a Bulls jacket, and a blanket, which I still have to this day. By the way, I'm just saying, like, damn, <laughs> still got my stuff. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, um, everyone who could afford them was wearing Jordans because that was like. Or mid nineties, right? There goes the age thing, right? Early nineties, mid nineties. That's true. Uh, Jordan everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jordan was everywhere, and it was like the cool thing to be. Um, this is like my husband still freaks out because we're hip hop, R and B, like that's all I knew. Salsa music, Perfect. Puerto Rican, right? And merengue, like that. That was like it. That's all you listen to. Like to go past that was not so. Uh, the era of crisscross and jabos and cross colors, like that was my style. So I was wearing, like I was telling, actually telling my high school students, like I was mini, 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 tiny, wearing a size two, size 34 men's jeans, like to class. <laughs> like, that's what I was wearing with the little crop top, two top, uh, you know, no one has business wearing anyway. So, um, 
And then the hoops, like I almost put on hoops for this earring, but it's late and that wasn't going to happen. Like I still wear my hoops and my hair and, a, and the yeah. Chicago girl, big hair kind of. Hell That's yeah. Incredible. But those styles are like, there's a resurgence of like, I guess some of the retro styles. It just comes in waves. And we're Why did you say retro? Things. Why did you say retro? Uh, no. Okay. Wow. It's going to end know. real quick. It ends as soon as it gets. <laughs> era style we're seeing a resurgence <laughs> remember that. a long time ago like a long time ago <laughs> well my son no. my son will do that to me he's a he's like mommy in the 1990s i'm like Oscar, you need to stop saying that like that's not nice to mommy no. it wasn't that long ago ouch but okay, it was. continue like i'd love to see you try to continue after this <laughs> That was it. I'm going to stop it there. That's, I think, a good stopping point for that. I think what you were getting at is, yeah, a lot of the fashions uh, that, a lot of the fashion trends that occurred during that time, I think is a better way to word it, um, are finding their way or are kind of sneaking back into culture today. Uh, Jordans are still just as relevant as they were back in the 90s um but uh and i mean because of the last dance the the prices are skyrocketing and everything i know vicente is trying to get himself a pair of jordans and i'm trying to try to help him trying to help him as much as possible i remember like those uh bomber jackets like my grandfather used Mm -hmm. to wear those like bomber jackets and i've seen them like those are grandpas like it's freaking me out to see like these young kids wearing like yeah those little jackets and I, I can't even remember the name, but I'm like, I like it freaks me out because I see my grandfather's pictures from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, he was a chef when they had food on airlines with United Airlines and like he would oh, wear wow. those jackets. And so, yeah, they used to have food on airplanes way back then, Vicente, way back then. No, 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 no disrespect. <laughs> it's okay. I get it. I'm like decades old. I got it. It's okay. Oh I'm still. I just want the listeners to know I found my Joaquin. That's <laughs> what I did. <laughs> uh, so what's the tally at? I, mean, I, I don't know. I lost count after two. Like, I'm <laughs> pretty sure we're at 12 by now. Probably. It's all right. It's all right. You young people can learn something. My God, that counts. Perfect. Like that counts. I'm going to go back. I'm going to listen to this and the listeners are going to hear a little ding like every single time <laughs> you do that. One of the things um, that uh, I need to get out of the way is uh, I'm going to call you Mrs. Avila quite a bit just because it feels wrong not to. Um, and also asking you to uh be on the podcast was one of my goals actually when I first had the idea and I presented it to Vicente. So this is, this is definitely uh, premeditated for sure, but um, you know, you, you, yeah, I know. Right. Like I I have like, uh, well, behind the scenes, we call them our white whales, you know, but um, asking you to, to be on this, you're, how, how do I word this? You are, the uh you are you're my sixth grade teacher pretty much the, no like, i am not your sixth grade no teacher. not like that but like i'm the equivalent of how, like what your sixth grade teacher is to you like that teacher that like you'll never forget so uh just just to give some background i had you my sophomore and my junior year way back when vicente but way um, back when. Any different I, <laughs> sounds I, exactly the same i remember <laughs> your class being the class that I just, I, I loved, I 
was definitely a nerd throughout high school and I'm sure. Yes, like, he was. Yeah, I know the stories are Still. coming and it's, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna burn by the end of this. Like it's gonna hurt really, really bad. Um, but I remember one moment in particular, and uh, I know that you had said you had been waiting for this, but uh, between sophomore and junior year, we had a summer reading uh, Dracula. It was Dracula. And uh, <laughs> I didn't read. I did not read it at all. Uh, but I wrote an essay and uh, it, yeah, I thought that it was really good. I mean, my sophomore year, you had been telling me like, hey, you're a really good writer. You're a really good writer. Like, keep on it. Keep on it. So my ego was. Whew. And so I tell my students this story, by the way. So, oh you, you know, come uh, the, the first week of junior year, I turn in the essay. I'm like, I got this. Like, I'll just I'll, I'll coast and I'll just enjoy the class for what it is, you know, because the work will just come naturally. So you grade it and you're handing them back. And I remember I was sitting um, close to uh, the, well, I was sitting on the far side of the room away from the door and uh, you didn't hand me back my essay. And you were like, you know, Hey, come talk to me outside. And I was like, Oh, no, this, this isn't happening. Like this isn't the way it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to get a piece of paper back. It's going to have an A on it, you know, like maybe a sticker with a smiley face or something like that. Um, you, you know, I don't uh, do stickers, right? <laughs> I mean, like, a, you, you would draw smiley faces, though. I did? Oh, I was nicer to you people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you take me outside and you hand me the piece of paper and you're like, this is shit. And I was like, you can't say that. What? <laughs> but it was that record skip moment in my uh, in my educational career where I was just like, this teacher, this adult has invested enough of her time and enough of herself in my education and my path to call me out when I, when I, when I cheat, you know, when I, when I try to wiggle my way out and that's stuck with me. And that's why, you know, you'll forever be, you know, my, my favorite teacher, because you cared that much. You showed me that teachers do more than just sit behind desks because uh, I can't remember a single time you were sitting behind your desk, but uh, it just, it, it stayed with me. I passed that story, obviously an edited version of that story onto my students. Uh, <laughs> but just that honesty, like was just, it was, it was unparalleled. And I want to thank you for that. I want to start this episode by thanking you for that. Cause that was just, that was the, that was the life-changing moment for me. As an educator today, I cannot confirm or deny that I said that your essay was shit. <laughs> Let me just start there. I don't, I cannot say that I've said that word in alleged word. Ever. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah. Allegedly, but that does sound like me. <laughs> but that does sound like me. for sure, for sure. But that does sound like me, and I appreciate that. I think one of the things that, as an educator, you know, all this time, and even now, like I teach, I have seniors this year and sophomores and sprinkled juniors, and anyway. I'm at a smaller school, so I've taught my kids at least two or three years in a row. Your class was the first class I had two years in a row. And so um, I know my kids very well. Like, I still remember the way Chris Collins writes. Like, I remember his printing. Like, I I can remember my kids by their writing because I read everything. Mm -hmm. True confession, first semester, I read everything. Second semester, I don't know what these people write. I don't care. I skim them over. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) Completely. You read enough to recognize, like, like, I know if you did this or not. Like, I yeah. know how you speak. And that 
that's all you need. But yeah. first semester, you really get to know your kid. Even in this digital world, I don't know how y'all are doing, but oh, Chris man. was like, hey, are you guys going to do, are, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, I'm upgrading. I'm researching. I'm doing like stuff because yeah. my mind is so busy during the daytime doing stuff. But um, I do invest in my kids because I, I don't really care like if they pass the test or not. They're going to pass the test at the end of the day. That's how I see it. If they're in my class, they're going to pass the test. Because mm-hmm. I work you to the bone and I get to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And Chris is a kid who stood with me for a long time for many reasons, because he was with me for two years, but also because I could tell his writing. And he was a good writer. I mean, I'm assuming you're a pretty decent writer now. And I hope so. To be <laughs> I don't Hopefully know why you decided up. to be an English teacher. I think we'll get there. Now. We'll get there. It's going to be an episode. We'll get there. <laughs> but, uh, um, you get to know your students. I'm sure you guys as well. Like you get to know your students really well and you know, their yeah. strengths and weaknesses. And the more, you know, your kids, you know, their background, you know, what they like, what they don't like. Like I, I text Chris like, Oh yeah. I remembered you were from Ohio and you hated everybody. Cause I was from Chicago and I hated everybody. <laughs> like, I know what he was going through. Like we, he was teenage Hell. angst and I was mid twenties angst. Like I'm done with this place. Like Hell yes. Like I remember that. And then, uh, Chris and one of his other friends, and uh, they came into class and they were like, hey, Miss Gonzalez, because I wasn't married then, like, we're going to play a song. I'm like, all right, go ahead. And they, they sang for my class in the middle class. And was, Wonderful. Rockstar yeah, dreams, man. Yeah. It's, it's rockstar dreams. Always music. Um, and I call kids on their crap because. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things, like, if I'm gonna, if you want respect, because you're mini teenagers, you think you're, you think you know stuff. Shoot, you're in your twenties, you think you know. You, you're in your forties and you think you know stuff. You don't know nothing. Like, you don't know nothing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, look, you respect me, I respect you, and we'll call it a day. And that's kind of how I run my class. Even teaching, when I got hired, the principal was a, at the time was a six foot tall man. He looked at me, and I was itty bitty, like five two super tiny, like size two woman. Right. And he's like, are you sure you want to teach high school? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what's your problem? Like, I looked at him like, why is it hard? <laughs> <laughs> and after that first year of teaching, he looks at me, he's like, you know, I was really scared to hire Miss Gonzalez, but she's the meanest teacher in that hallway. <laughs> like, just, oh man. You know, you bring Chicago with you and that's why like, learning the valley language and culture even after so many years is still hard because i'm very much chicago and i'm very puerto rican and i'm very loud and very obnoxious and you're gonna get you're gonna hear what i have to say whether you like it or not kind of person and yeah that that tends to create some kind of problems but even but i've learned you teenagers well not you because you're old men now too but when chris was a teenager they like to hear like the realness the rawness yeah. That, okay, like you're gonna take time to get to know me, not just my work. You actually care about me, and mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm friends, which is weird because I'm old, but I'm friends with a lot of my former high school students. So yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, like the eighth deli. Um, but yeah, being genuine with your students helps to bridge that gap of understanding. You're no longer just an authority figure or the person that gives them, you know, their grades. You're a real person talking about life lessons that they'll take with them. Because like you said, like they're going to get, of course, the grammar skills. They're going to get the things that, you know, that are going to be tested on. 
it's the other like small snippets and the like the culture building right that they really take with them and that's what they remember later on in life and keeps them driving forward and uh, that's actually like a conversation we wanted to bring up for sure was uh, the ways in which culture can be fostered in classrooms uh, I know Chris has a couple of stories as well um, yeah for but sure. just if you could think back to I mean the it's it's just curious to see because again you're coming with your Chicagoan culture right and then melding it with culture from the valley is there any instances where you can think of that pop into your mind about the way in which culture was embedded into your classroom okay because I didn't get it let's start there I didn't get it most of my teachers so the the elementary middle school I went to I had one male teacher I had zero black teachers and maybe two Hispanic teachers in elementary school in Chicago in a very diverse populated area. Yeah. Went to high school and got it even less. So in high school, I basically told my high school teachers because we, it was a private school. So their curriculum was a little different. We didn't have standardized testing. Um, there was this one teacher, she, um, didn't make her class and it was like Latin American history or Latin American lit or something like that. She didn't make her class. I went up to her and I was like, look, I'm tired of reading, reading dead white people's stuff. Um, yes. I want to take your class. Can I do it as an independent study? So she said, sure. And she hired me. <laughs> she hired me to help her organize her binders. So I, um, I've always been a work study scholarship kid. So she, um, aside from giving me literature to read and take a class in grade, she hired me on the side. Like I've been working since I was 12, 13 years old. Um, she hired me on the side because this is before computers were like everywhere and, you know, everything was saved. But she was old school teacher. So she kept all of her paperwork in binders and it was like a mess, like English professor, college, like you see in movies, a mess. So I would organize her binders and I would do an independent study. I read um, things like House on the Spirit, House on Main Street. Like I just read uh, she introduced me to everything, like Latin America. I read 100 Years of Solitude. I read a lot of things that I didn't know. Yes. I get to college and um, was well, St. Mary's Notre Dame. And yeah, very few teachers that look like me too. So talk about battling like who you are, where you come from. So we get this teacher from El Paso. He's a visiting teacher from El Paso. Um, and he's he has a, like a chief actually the year 2000. So I was already in college for two years and the college decided to, they did themes for the year and it was Chicana 2000. So every department had to do something with Chicano history. And so that's how that professor got in. And so I'm like, well, I'm Mexican and I know nothing about Mexican culture because my dad is so Americanized. Like, yeah, you know, and so I'm like, I'll take the class. And there are higher percentages of Mexicans than other, other Hispanic races in colleges. I mean, that's still true. And so I'm like, I need to relate to these people who look like me because I know nothing. <laughs> so, uh, so I took the class and learned. So I get to the Valley and realize, yeah, everyone speaks Spanish. No one knows anything about Mexican culture. <laughs> they know their foods. So, um, you know, at this time during I was in college, I started reading up on Puerto Rican literature and, and you know, reading artists and, and doing kind of my own thing on my own Puerto Rican culture. So I just kind of like was feeding myself and realized, well, 
my students are mostly Mexican. They don't know about their culture. Um, they don't know about any other culture. <laughs> yeah. like, there were like two black students in class and like the school at the time, maybe one or two Filipinos. Now the Valley is a little bit more diverse. So I'm like, no, 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 no. My grandfather was in the internment camp. He has a lot of stories. I was able to interview his brother, who was a Japanese translator when I was in college, got the article published. So I'm a published author, by the way, just, okay. <laughs> just throwing that in there. And so um, I'm like, no, these stories need to be told. My, my, my students down here are so sheltered. They have no idea. Like Chris can tell you, he's probably one of two white kids yeah. in the school at the time, too. And I'm like, no, like my uncles aren't intermarried. Like if you look at my family, we go from white, like white to Asian, to brown, to black. Like we have everything in my family. Like my cousins, my first cousins are all very, like students freak out, like that's your first cousin? Like, yeah. And then my first cousins have the last name Takaki and they look like blonde eye, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed kids. And their last name's Takaki. So, I mean, it's a Japanese last name. So I come down to the Valley. I'm like, these people got to learn something. Like this is, I'm not, no. Like English too is world literature. Like yeah. we're not just going to do what's in the textbook. Actually, still to this day, I don't really use a textbook. I kind of do what I want, which is probably not what <laughs> they want to hear, but <laughs> what I want. Um, but see, the beautiful thing about English is that you can do what you want and make it relate to the teaks, right? What you're supposed yeah, to teach. Of course. Exactly. So that's how I infused culture. Um, started looking up stuff that I did in college and I was like, no, we're going to do this. So like we read Antigone and I still like to teach Antigone, but I'm like, no, we're going to read, <laughs> we're going to read some Gloria Zadula. She's right here from the Valley. Yes. She went to UTPA, yes. like, no, you're going to read it. And so, yeah. you know, bring in different things, thematic things, topic things, and kind of introduce it that way. Um, I do a lot of research things like right now, actually what I was doing, uh, April's Arab, Arab American month. And so, mm -hmm. um, doing things to show my kids, even if it's five minutes, you know, just something different, something yeah. to expose them to, um, just because they should know, they should know, um, you know, what's going on in the world right now. It's just, it's important. It's important for them to have an understanding because my goal is you're not going to stay in the Valley. I don't care if they're planning to stay in the Valley, but my goal is you're not going to stay in the Valley. You're going to travel. You're going to go up North. You're going to encounter different people. I don't want you to be shocked or surprised or scared yeah. and not know how to interact or not yeah. ask the appropriate questions or, you know, at least have some understanding. So I'm hoping it sticks, but I keep throwing stuff at them. So it's going to stick. Something will eventually. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned Gloria Anzandua and her essay. I think it's Borderlands, if I'm not mistaken. It's, it's the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like a, a lot of the ideas that she shared in that talk about like uh, the culture shock and identity crisis that a lot of, you know, Hispanic Americans have with their American self and then their, you know, their own culture, right? Where their families and generations passed on from. And so it's great to hear that that opportunity is given to the students to, to I guess, find not only their voice, their own identity, but also the voice of like their previous generations. And the fact that that representation is recognized in like the things that they do is just, ah, oh, it, it's astounding to hear. Cause then it's, if not, it's just like curriculum, curriculum, curriculum. And again, they're going to get that, but giving them the platform to hear others, uh, other ideas is, is necessary, like you were saying, especially nowadays. 
everything that's going on. I like to kind of rock the boat <laughs> a yeah. little bit. I actually teeter the line probably, you know, like if this is the line of what you're supposed to do in class and what you're not supposed to do, I'm like right there. <laughs> I kind of might step over once in a while. We kind of have this rule. What happens in my classroom stays in my classroom. Until it gets on the local language podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Add that Add that to the end. That 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 kind of happens in my classroom, um, yeah. but I've already built enough respect with my students. Like, hey, you know, if you have a problem with something, let me know. Let me know directly. We'll work on it. You know, uh, sometimes um, the school I'm at, we have a few more students who are a little bit more uh, religious. Yeah. You know, different religions. I have students who are uncomfortable with conversations about death. And most of my class, most of my students will tell you all you talk about is death. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit dark in my classroom um we make jokes we make jokes on our campus that the middle school side is all happy and rainbows and the high school side is morbid and death and so uh well, that's typically I how mean, high schools just, go right you know like that's what going, I thought. yeah yeah i <laughs> feel like that's like a high school deal you yeah know? you get into the bigger more <laughs> intrinsic topics yeah so you know but i try to make my students feel comfortable all throughout yeah. One of the, um, one of the, like a story from your, your class, it was my sophomore year. I remember we were having the, uh, the talk about, well, the white majority in America. And it was the first time in a class where I was like, Oh, here we go. Like I've never been singled out as the white guy in any group. Cause listen, I just try to be friends with everybody. Right. And I remember we were having that talk and I just, I tried to sink down like as low as possible. And there was another white kid in our class um, that I don't talk to anymore, but he was born here in the Valley. And so definitely no one was going to look at him. And I was thinking to myself, if anybody was going to look at me, this is the time they would look at me. And I remember there was a girl in the front of the classroom. I still remember her first and last name, but I'm not going to call her out, even though that would be totally okay better than that um she made a comment she said why do all white people suck and i remember <laughs> i i came to you after school i came to you and i um i expressed that to you i said you know hey miss gonzalez miss gonzalez at the time um you know, it really bothered me when so and so made that comment and you looked at me and you were like why didn't you say anything and I was just kind of like, what do you mean? Like, why, why? I'm not going to like try to start anything. And you're, you, you told me you're not starting anything, but you're standing up for what you believe in. Like that is your, like you have culture behind being entitled or being not entitled, being, uh, being labeled as white. You, you have a culture behind that. You have a family history. You have ancestors. Like it's not just you suck, but instead like there's actual depth to that. And I thought that was like incredibly, incredibly powerful. And listening to you say, you don't just read the dead, dead white authors. I said that last year uh, during Meet the Teacher, and I got some crazy looks for it. So uh, it just it further proves a point that more teachers need to be doing what you're doing. More teachers need to be more out there about it, more open to the idea of... of well, let me share this with you. AP yeah. is not reading. AP Lit, English 4, they're not including just dead white authors. Most of their list recently are contemporary authors across the culture. Yeah, so, not that we don't want to stay away from the canon, right? We're English majors, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, right? Everyone should yeah. read Shakespeare. 
everyone should i'm not saying everyone needs to like shakespeare but everyone should read shakespeare like <laughs> shakespeare the bible those are things you should know as an english major like the end the end um because they're everywhere yeah. but just don't read that just don't read um i mean like i'm gonna teach off my cement this summer like i'm using that just don't do steinbeck you know include other things um yeah. uh i there are a lot of great things out there that i wish i can say but at the end of the day, you need to make everyone feel included. Um, yeah. Right now, even with uh, you know LGBTQ rights, uh, the trans trans the, the 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 literature, the I don't even know the word right now, but all this all this that's going on in the media about trans students, like mm-hmm. I want my kids to feel comfortable in the classroom. I Definitely. want my kids to understand how to interact with other people because once you go out into the real world, right, the working world. Even if you're at McDonald's, you don't know who's going to be at your counter asking for food, right? Exactly. So exactly. you need to know how to interact and you need to have a voice for yourself. And so one of the things I learned very early on in my life, and I think that's the hardest thing for people to understand about me here in the Valley, is that I learned to stand up for myself when I was 14 years old because I was the brown class, the, my, the brown girl in class where I was poorer than everybody else. I was there for affirmative action. I looked different than everyone else. Um, and, you know, I was pigeonholed. I was stereotyped. And yeah, that wasn't going to happen. And so I'm very vocal about that because, you know, our kids, like I look at my own kids who are seven, who are nine and eight, and they need to learn to speak up for themselves too, like things that happen to them. And so, why why would me as an educator want to stifle their voice and then they're never going to be able to speak up for themselves when they do go out into the real world so um i want to have a voice i, I think i'm better I, I if if i remembered that correctly chris i would have asked you for your opinion but i also don't like to put kids on the spot yeah right i would have asked you to say something so I'm glad you came up to me afterwards. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that happened because that sounds like something that happens in my class all the yeah. time. Like it does. It yeah. still does. But I'm glad you came up to me afterwards and I'm glad I said the right thing. Well, maybe it wasn't the right thing, but no, it, it seems like was. I said the right thing. Definitely. It was. And it was, it was right around the time that you were also critiquing my band's lyrics because Vicente, I would take the lyrics uh, that we would write, that I would write, and I would bring them to miss gonzalez and i would tell my band members like hey guys like i'm just gonna have miss gonzalez like just take a look at this real quick and i remember you like every song you would look at you'd be like it's too emo like it's like what is this like it's too emo <laughs> and i I, <laughs> I think i remember telling you like yeah but i listened to my chemical romance in middle school yes and like it just it had to get you know the the check of a the check of approval but one of the things that you touched on was telling students here in the valley uh you know you're gonna leave you, you know, you need to go and explore the world because the Valley is very much in and of itself, its own atmosphere. It's, it's in a bubble. Um, I want to know your opinion on how education is perceived in the Valley because Vicente and I are still, we're not new teachers, but we still have that new teacher smell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously we're all new teachers this year, you know, with digital learning, yeah. but, but, yeah. you know, hold, holding off on that, what is your perspective on how education is viewed after doing this for, you know, 12 years? Okay. Thanks for that. Again. <laughs> I, I had to get at least one. In. Like if you said these having all the fun, that's no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, well, 
See, it's really hard for me. I wasn't educated in the Valley, so I don't know how yeah. things go, but I do know, uh, you know, we do have a migrant community. Not every student is a migrant, but yeah. um, we do have a migrant community and that, that, that affects the way students learn. Um, it does, it's going to. Um, I grew up in a, in a public school, a public school system up until I went to high school and I saw how the better half lives, right? Yeah. So these kids, I went into high school, obviously at a deficit. I mean, let's just face it. I was at a deficit. I was going to summer school after sixth grade year, after seventh grade year, after eighth grade year to try to catch up. And I still wasn't caught up. Like everyone who I graduated high school with, Stanford, Yale, like Ivy League all the way. Jeez. And they could afford it. Like mm-hmm. throw me out of the water. Right. Um, <clears throat> I did it. Um, and I couldn't because, I mean, I was at a learning deficit. But I can tell you, as an educator, it pains me because I know what my students are capable of, but yeah. I'm limited because they're all thrown in, right? Because they're by areas, everyone's thrown in there, and you have students with learning disabilities, and you have students who are very gifted all in the same classroom. Definitely. So as an educator, how do you level the playing field, right? And so you can't go too high, you can't go too low. You have to let your students who are higher kind of roll with it on their own, but you can't leave anyone behind, right? So yay. Yeah. Um, but I also know that what I learned in high school made my first two years of college easy. Like I didn't even have to go to class. Like it was so easy because I was getting college level work in high school, like I had to do a 10 page term paper by the end of sophomore year. Like, yeah, like that was the end of my soph- Ask my students sophomore year to write a two page paper and it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Yay, star. Yay, star. Um, you know, and even your, your, your brighter kids have trouble with it because they're not conditioned that way. <laughs> and so there, there are definite flaws in the system everywhere. Um, I can't say one system is better than the other, but, and I don't, I'm not like, ooh, private school, whatever. I just wish that there were, there were, there was more in place to help our kids be more successful, right? I want them to go into college and I want them to finish college. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to struggle or always have to be at the writing center, the tutoring lab or whatever. Like I want that for my kids. So one of the things that I do now, especially in this virtual world where it's super new is I'm doing like, okay, for extra credit, those of you who are interested, here's something that you can work on. And the kids who are done with their work and find it easy, who find an interest in whatever I provide like this, now that start to this is over. I'm doing first chapter Fridays, which is like all the rave on Instagram or whatever. And I'm giving my kids all these resources to look at different chapters of books and introducing them to new books that they may not read in my classroom because they don't have access to. Right. So, um, or the kids on campus, I'll go in, I'll go into a classroom like, Hey, this book is really good, but I can't teach it because it has one too many swear words. Do you want to read it here? Yeah. But don't say you got it for me. <laughs> don't say you got it for me kind of thing. Um, except my name's plastered all over the book. Um, I, I kind of do that to help, help the kids that I know, you know, want, want, I desire something more than what, what I'm able to feed them in the classroom. Um, but I've built those relationships and those trusting things throughout, right? So I just don't go cold turkey. Oh, here, let me throw this in your face. Kind of thing. But I, um, I, don't, I don't know. The education down here, my kids are in education down here too, so I can't really say too much. I just know that as a parent, my responsibility is to expose them to more. Yeah, no, definitely. Perfect.
don't know if I answered your question. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's 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 definitely tricky because, um, well, okay. So I have the the same group uh, now two years in a row. So teaching them last year, uh, obviously pre pandemic, it was you know why do we have to go to school? Why do we have to go to school? And you know then it becomes this year becomes uh, you know hey can can you show up to school? Like hey can you turn your camera on? You know all all those fun stuff that I'm sure we can have a lengthy. Uh, lengthy discussion about, but, um, above all else, like I just, I, I, you know, reiterate to my students, you know, Hey, like education is what saved my life. It might not be what saves your life, but no matter if you're re if you're learning from a textbook or learning from, you know, uh, work experience, real world experience, like never stop learning. You know, like you have to continue that growth. Otherwise you'll just be so stifled as a person. Uh, everything's a lesson kind of person, which doesn't, yeah go well with everyone in my life but um uh, I'm a big everything's a lesson and you're either learning or you're growing right and so or you're succeeding even when you succeed you're still learning right and um I'm big on being humble which doesn't make sense because I'm pretty big-headed like I think I'm the best I think everyone loves me everyone loves to be in my class like I'm everyone's favorite teacher but um I know that uh, at the end of the day it's it's not really me, like it's them, you know. It's a it's like a new relationship, right? It's what you get in and what you get out. And so and kids are no different. Like I teach high school, the kids are no different. My kids are in middle or elementary school, my nieces in middle school, kids are no different, right? They're gonna they're gonna they're just little people, like they want the same thing. And I think high school, you know, those years between 14 and 25, you're still just trying to understand yourself. Like who you are kind of deal. So. Um, you just need someone to kind of help you guide the way, you know, like, Hey, what about this? And give you some options. Just like, no, it's not going to be this way. One of the things I really tell my kids now is like, look, don't trust your teachers. And they freak out. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, you shouldn't trust me. They're like, what do you mean? I shouldn't trust you. You're my teacher. Like no mm -hmm. one tells us not to trust them. I said, because I'm only telling you what I know. Like that doesn't mean I'm giving you everything. Like, so I totally about three years ago, four years ago, I, we read cathedral in one of my senior classes and I made my kids believe that this was like a homoerotic story. And I, and I, they were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no. And they were all freaking out at me. I'm like, but this symbolizes this, this symbolizes this. I was trying to prove a point that as long as you back up your crap, like anyone will believe you. This, this little monster, one of my students missed. That was total bullshit what you told us. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I looked it up. It's a religious story. I said, but you believe me? He's like, yeah, I did. I was like, you see, you just have to prove your point. <laughs> yeah. So, That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, no, I, um, I like my kids to trust me, but I tell them not to trust me. Like, do your oh. own research. You can't just take things on surface value, you know? <laughs> I mean, how do you know? How do you know I'm human? Kind of matrix. Go matrix on them and exactly yeah forcing them to find their own truth as opposed to just taking everything that they get as absolute right like they have to learn to question in order to grow to get their own identity to get their own viewpoint absolutely that's yeah, i mess with people's heads it's awesome now that i think about it like that's really messed up though <laughs> but what a great like teaching tactic but that's really messed up. no um i i I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. Like it's literally like in this conversation, I'm transported back to my sophomore and junior year, which I don't know if I would want to relive fully, but 
I remember being in, in that class and, and just being forced to think for myself, which was, you know, uh, at that age, like, okay. Our experience now, these kids are like, we're at the age, let's date ourselves, Vicente. We're at the age now where we look at the generation that we're teaching and we're like, y'all know nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. Like, you don't. Yeah. And it's just, you're trying to spoon feed them little bits of information that could help them grow as a human being. Uh, but they seem to kind of at surface level, they seem to reject everything. Like unless it's electronic or unless it's like TikTok, unless it's like some kind of social, like they're having no part of it. Um, and um, forgot where I was going with this because like, I just got. You gotta really do TikTok. I did a TikTok. You gotta do a TikTok. I'm not. I'm not doing a TikTok. No. I'm not doing a TikTok. <laughs> you gotta but, do a TikTok. I just. I keep thinking of this example of trying to get the student to think for themselves, and I just. I don't think. Now, I guess we could turn this into a talking point, though. Is like what what has made this this newest generation what is making the generation slowly lose interest in who they are as people and getting to know themselves as 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 people i guess like earlier on like i'm sure it'll hit them you know mid-20s like life is like life has to hit you i tell my students all the time mom and dad are not going to pay your bills forever eventually they're not going to be around and maybe that's like really harsh to tell my students but I, i let them know you are going to have to fend for yourself eventually I'm here trying to spoon feed you bits of information. What are you going to do? So like, what is it that's causing the the deficit in in these students? Hmm, That's tough. Um, I've had my, like my seniors, I actually taught most of them three years in a row. So I tell them the same thing. Like your parents are going to die. Like, I'm sorry. Like it is harsh, but it's a reality, right? Um, It is a reality. And sadly right now, COVID has made that happen for some of my kids. Uh, their right. parents have died and their sophomores or their seniors and the what next happens. Um, but you give them a little bit at a time. Like yeah. you don't shove it all in their face, right? You give them little stories and you kind of, it's like those breadcrumbs, right? You just kind of leave breadcrumbs for them to follow and eventually it clicks. So one of the things I do in my classroom is everything connects, but I don't tell them it connects. Like we bring it up as it goes along. And then someone's yeah. like, <sighs> this is just like, and you freak out like, okay, someone's actually paying attention. Right. (laughs) And so um, you as an educator is your job to, to kind of leave it all there for them and let them figure it out on their own. And so when it comes to identity and for them figuring out who they are, they're not like, they're going to leave high school still not knowing. Um, I left high school still not knowing. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's, but it's your job to leave those leave those things there. And then they reflect like you remembering me. And I I didn't remember I called your paper shit, but that totally sounds like me, (laughs) you know, back when you were 16 years old or me remembering my sixth grade teacher or my 10th grade teacher. Who's who told me don't let these, who's an old white man told me, don't let, don't let these white people get to you. You have a voice. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'm like, I, you know, who are you old rich white guy who yeah. have your kids here at this school? Um, it's those things that you'll remember later on. So yeah. you just leave them there for the kids. They're, they're not going to get it. Like, I mean, who does, right? Who gets it at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 21 years old, even. Right. Um, yeah. 
it's it's not until later on that you reflect back on these things or you're influencing someone else. I'm like, oh yeah, my teacher said this, or this is what happened in this class. And that makes me make sense of what's going on in life now. I mean, I still reflect back on these, these experiences. And I, I remember, like, I remember getting on the bus outside of my high school and a bus driver asking me if I was there at that high school on an athletic scholarship. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, no, I don't run. Like, I don't do though. No, that no, that's no. And like feeling like you're a bus driver and you're telling mm-hmm. me about, I don't belong in this very rich, wealthy school. Like, who are you, dude? Like, and I, I actually forgot that I shared that story with my students and a student a year ago reminded me through Instagram. She's like, I remember when you told us the story. I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen. Like, you know, um, you don't remember, but as it's our job as educators is to give students a taste of the world that they don't know because they're limited to their parents and what their parents know and what their parents share. And unfortunately not every parent is sharing experiences, giving them new things. They're Mm -hmm. just sharing what they knew too. Yeah, exactly. Their, their perspective is limited. It's, they only can get as much as they have from their viewpoint, from their culture. And it's not that it's invalid. It's just that it's a slice out of the whole that you, it's necessary to experience, right? To actually go out in the world and see that. Uh, that, that reminds me, I mean, I, I don't know if it's always an English teacher that just comes to mind, but I had a high school English teacher that actually student taught for when I was prepping to be an English teacher, <laughs> but she was the one that really broadened my horizons in terms of like it, a classroom is more than just the place where you get your grades. It, it's the place for conversations. And she had a lot of those really heavy conversations where, you know, she allowed people to actually express what they thought truly and genuinely without giving a referral for saying a swear word every now and then. But it was like, it was for a purpose. And that point was, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to express yourself and it shouldn't be, uh, I guess you shouldn't be scared of failure when it comes to either expressing your ideals or trying something new. And I think like to harken back to the question, right? I think a lot of kids today are very nervous or scared of that first failure, that initial like talent not being the thing that drives them forward, you know, like not being able to pick up something immediately. I think that drives a lot of kids back from wanting to actually try or jump into something, whether, you know, it be an assignment or even a TikTok, right. But it's just, I don't know. That's what I see, at least from my students being the first gap, that first barrier to entry that stops them from wanting to do what they, you know. You kind of think about society now too. I mean, we're not set up that way anymore like failure mm-hmm. is not it's a gimme like I had to say that because I'm a parent but it is a gimme society like I no. you should be giving me this it's it's very much entitled um and in my opinion very sensitive everyone is just too damn sensitive like um you know you look at your grandparents well in your case your grandparents in my case even my parents and like you can tell them excuse my language, but like you tell my dad, fuck you. And my dad's gonna like, well, fuck you too, you know, kind of deal. Cause that's my Chicago's my Chicago get on dad, you know? Um, and, and just go on with your day and you can be friends the next day here. You tell Mm -hmm. someone that, and then they're like scarred for life. Um, it's just, it's, it's very different society. And so our kids, you know, kids, 
school our school age kids don't know how to handle that because they've mm-hmm. been told that they shouldn't have to handle that because everyone should treat them with respect and everyone should, but not everyone is built that way. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, you know, it's very difficult being an educator because you have to be wary of who, whose spirit am I going to crush today by saying my, their parents are going to die, you know, like that will crush some of our kids that will crush some of our kids. And so that's where you have to have the conversations and the trust and the honesty to say, look, I'm going to say things that may hurt your feelings. And I don't mean to because my job is to help you grow academically, help you grow personally, help you understand and navigate the world around you. So come and be honest with me. And English teachers can because we get the kids to write and we get the kids to express themselves without being so Mm -hmm. vulnerable because they trust that you are the only person who's going to read the writing. So it does tend to be English teachers because our kids will may not say it, but they'll write it out. They'll, they'll, they'll speak their truth. They'll leave their journals there. They'll leave their, their one or two liners, like my attendance forms, one or two liners. And they know that they're sharing, but they're not sharing with you, right? They're just sharing. And so eventually they warm up to like, you leave a little message like, Hey, or a smiley face, which I I need to do more now that you reminded me. (laughs) You know, you leave a smiley face and it's like, okay, I can have a connection with this person. Now someone actually wants to hear me. And that's why I read everything for semesters because I'm trying to build those connections with my students so that when the bigger issues come up, that they can confide in me and I can help them along the way. I mean, I remember teaching um, my first year, my second year, uh, I, I, I always tend to have one, like one or two students who never want to leave my classroom. And I, I have to literally like kick them out of my classroom. Mm. Um, and, you know, they stay around and they're just there watching you with other students. I'm like, why? But they're trying to see, are you like this with everyone? Um, are you just like with yeah. this with me? And <laughs> one of my very famous sayings is I treat every, I don't have favorites. I, I, I hate everyone equally. So I had to stop saying hate because someone called me out on it and like got very disturbed and whatever. It was a big deal. So I mm-hmm. said, I just like everyone the same. And so you're going to get the same unfair, equal treatment. So you can never tell who's my favorite. So when I call a student, my favorite, miss, you don't have favorites, but today you're my favorite. Actually this hour, you're my favorite. Next hour, you'll be another favorite. So they'll come back, miss, am I still your favorite? No, so-and-so is your favorite. And they realize that you are treating everyone the same and yeah. so that they and trust you that you're not just blowing smoke in their ears or whatever. And so yeah. that's one of the things that that I think students want to know is that you are genuine. You are this way with everyone. You don't, you're not picking on one person more than the other. And that's when they start to become open and honest and start finding out who they are and comfortable of saying, oh miss, I'm lesbian. So like yeah. so but <laughs> and today's like, Tuesday. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but kids aren't comfortable saying that to everyone, right? Um, I mean, I was the one who brought up the topic. I'd kind of be an asshole if I like didn't offer like, you know, what I'm doing in the classroom to kind of eliminate it. Like one of the things that I've been trying to do uh, since year one is uh, just kind of end that uh, cycle of failure that every freshman and that every sophomore seems to feel like they're on or that they're stuck in. Um you know, just finding anything in a piece of writing that they did well and just highlighting the hell out of it and just getting super enthusiastic about like, oh my God, you used a complex sentence. Oh my, did you know you use a complex sentence? Like, 
you know, uh, half, half of your classmates can't write a complex sentence, but here you are writing at, you know, this level and uh, just that, that look in their eyes of, and, and that them questioning it, like, really? Like, really? Like, you, you think that sentence is good? And it's like, yes, yes, it is. It's fantastic. Like, you wrote that sentence. It came from you. Uh, I, I just feel like it's super important to, to I don't know what happens. I guess, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's that first, that first failure that kind of throws them into that loop and they feel like, you know, they're, they're on this, you know, roller coaster that just never ends. Uh, but I feel like that's just like uber important, just like insanely important. Another thing that you touched on uh, when it came to identity was, um, you know, at a high school feeling like you, uh, you didn't know who you were or anything like that. I actually had an experience where I felt like I did know who I was out of high school. I felt like, I don't know, maybe it was the good grades all around or something, but I just felt like I was on top of the world. And then college happened and college was fun. I was super nerdy in college too, but I was just totally, I say nerdy. And then I just see like star Wars helmets behind you. Like, that yes, is just- sorry. okay. So everyone's going to sleep in my house. And so I had to come to our back room. Sure. And we are big nerds. In yeah. Like, just the irony. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, no, no, no. I just, I felt like I knew, you know, who I was, what did I want, what I wanted to do and, and X, Y, Z. And then I'm in, my sophomore year of college and things just start going downhill. I stopped going to class. Like I just, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I started to realize, Oh, Hey, this career path that I'm on, which was radio, television, film is something that, you know, maybe my parents wanted me to do, but it's not something, you know, that I wanted to do. And so I went back to EHS, actually. Uh, this must have been 2013. No, no, no. This must have been like 2014, 2013, 2014. And you were, you were already gone. And I went looking for you at EHS to be like, hey, now what happened to my identity? Like, I thought I had everything, you know, I, no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't angry, but I was like looking to seek advice. Well, I ended up finding uh, Mrs. Prescia, Mrs. Loretta Prescia, which in Edinburgh, Vicente, like Mrs. Prescia is like a legend, just like her. Goddess. Just, Straight goddess. Yeah. She's just, she walks on water, like literally. Um, well, I found her. And I was like, hey, you know, I was looking for Miss Gonzalez. And she's like, oh, Mrs. Avila. I was like, no, nah, Miss Gonzalez. I'm looking for Miss Gonzalez. Like, what's going on? And uh, she's like, well, anyway, she's like, how are you? Because I had her my senior year. She's like, how are you? Like, um, how's teaching? And I was like, what? What do you mean, how's teaching? Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not teaching. And she's like, I swear, I thought you would have been a teacher by now. And I was like, wait, what? Like, why? And she's like, I don't know. You're, you're a teacher. Like, try to teach. What are you studying right now? And I was like, oh, radio, television, film. And she's like, oh, try to teach. See how it works out for you. And then, you know, here I am now, like three years in the game and, you know, no, no signs of slowing down. But uh, Can I confess something to yeah. you? Yeah. I'm not supposed to be a teacher. Like, this was the last thing on my list of things to do in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's story time. Story time. This was not supposed to be my path. First of all, coming to Texas is not supposed to be my path, but then we're here, right? Whatever, we're here. So I technically started teaching late in the game. I was already 26. So I was working at the Museum of McAllen and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I need to make more money. Like I'm not even making as much money as I would make 
like if I had to pay for my college, like I went to private Catholic college, like that's $30,000 a year. Right. Like I wasn't even making 30 and I had a college degree. So I quit that job, found another, like whatever job and went to school to get my master's degree. What for? I don't know, but I have a master's in English and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and teach because teaching is the only thing you can do with an English degree. So I was 26, got my first teaching job. And I'm like, why did I, again, I, you know, I already shared the story that they didn't want to hire me because I was like itty bitty little and you can't mm-hmm. teach mm-hmm. and um, started teaching. And I haven't left. Like, I love what I do. Absolutely love what I do. I mean, eventually, like I went ahead and, you know, finished my master's. I got my principal certification, my master's in English, got my principal certification, um, so like, I'm a big girl now, but, uh, I really like teaching. Like, I don't think I will miss, like, I will miss the classroom too much. I'll miss my kids too much. I miss, I miss roasting my kids. Like sarcasm is my language and teenagers yeah. understand my angst and my anger and my Chicago-ness and adults don't like a lot yeah. of adults in the Valley do not. <laughs> so, um, it's, this is not supposed to be what I did with my life, but here I am you know, teaching, shaping in the minds of tomorrow, something like that or whatever. That's what At I least, tried to um, do. I joked around, like <laughs> I really developed my cults. Like they're like, oh, don't, someone told me, oh, don't worry. I had my principalship like five years before I applied. I'm like, oh no, I applied, but it's better to develop my cults as if I stay a teacher. So I have like a little. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes. So it, it works That's out. So... It works out good. It's <laughs> fascinating to hear. I, like there with every educator that I've known right like I mean there are those that that do know that like okay I'm going to be a teacher but more often than not I hear about the changing of like majors or like life situations that make them I guess steer them towards that path yeah. and it's the same with me I changed majors three times in college and it was like I don't know what exactly I want to do like of course there was the idea of like okay psychology I, sounds great but then I was like I don't want to get depressed along with my client that doesn't sound great let me me try something else I actually did go into communications but it was the same deal of like I don't like uh, I was doing like video like newscasting there you go I'm even forgetting what it's called and it was just like I don't know if I can do this to keep the same smile and cadence for that long Mm -hmm. um but there was always something in the back of my mind that that spoke to teaching or or education in some sense right that like moment where a light bulb clicks with someone in the conversation like they truly get what you are saying and like just by you again speaking just vibrations into the air and they understand that and internalize it that's like ridiculously rewarding so that finally brought me to education after changing again three times <laughs> major oh no I was always an English major I was supposed to write and be some big published author and all of this stuff but I wasn't supposed to be in the valley you can't do that in the valley mm-hmm. um at least when I moved down here now you can like we have we have actually quite a few valley authors that are published yeah. and out there yeah. um, um I've learned over the years but uh you know early 2000s yeah not so much and so uh um, but now things have changed. I, I mean, I love, like, I've been here, like I said, almost 20 years and I've seen the growth and the change in the Valley and, and diversity now. Um, and so it's, it's nice. It's nice to see. So, um, but this was not the career path for me, but I, I can't imagine myself doing any other thing. Like I can't, right. it's, it's pretty awesome. Like you said, shaping young people of tomorrow or developing a cult, one or the other. Same business, whatever. <laughs> Same difference, yeah. And being I a cult leader, though, being a cult leader is 
It's a little meticulous, though. You know, my kids drink my Kool-Aid. I don't know why your kids aren't drinking your Kool-Aid. <laughs> Probably because um, we're all on Zoom. Uh, that's that's pretty much it's <laughs> pretty much why. So, um, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the biggest things we wanted to talk to you about, obviously, um, is teaching this year because this year everybody is a first year teacher. Um, everybody's new. I've I've been seeing um, on on Instagram the things like you've been reposting this hashtag of uh, what is it? Just show up. Yeah, I um, do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, basically, I guess we can just start with, um, how's your year been going? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, I have six preps this year cause I'm at a smaller school, um, a smaller school district. So it's a lot of work. Oh, real quick, um, real quick for the listeners, explain what a prep is. Uh, six different classes. A prep is a class that you have to prepare for. So I have six different class schedules. So I teach sophomores, that's English too. I have, uh, I teach seniors, but I have three different sections of seniors. So I teach AP literature. I teach a TSI class, like whatever test that they need. I still don't understand what the TSI is. It's a Texas thing. Anyway, whatever. It's like, an, <laughs> whatever it is, like yeah. it's the passes test to say you're good enough to go to college basically. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's AP, this TSI class, and then a regular English four class, the students who didn't want to take the AP test. So that's already four. I teach an, an education class. Apparently I'm qualified to teach students how to be teachers. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is very funny to me because I tell them all the time, like, are you sure you want to be a teacher? Like, this is nothing. Like, don't do it. Just don't yeah. do it. Um, discouraging them every day. They still want to stay in. They say they want to be teachers like me, which really scares me for my children who may be in their classroom one day. <laughs> but the cult is uh, working. You're, you're saying yes, the fruits of that labor. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's pretty awesome to be me. And then I have a professional communications class, a speech class or something like that. Yeah, that's six. Yeah, that's six. So it's a lot of work. Um, and you can't do the same thing with your sophomores that you do with your seniors, or you shouldn't be doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be. Although I do know teachers who are doing some of that stuff. Um, but I um, spend a lot of my time on the weekends and at night kind of redoing things. Like I said, I try to infuse culture into my lessons every day across. So April's uh, Autism Awareness Month, National Poetry Month, Arab American Month. And so I do attendance forms daily. And so all of my kids have been trained, right? You, you train your students to go in and take your attendance form. This is how we take attendance. Even though I see you on Zoom or Meets or whatever, um, you have to you know, prove that you were there because I'm old again, just so you know, and I'm going to forget. So... <laughs> My kids have to do a form and that's how I infuse culture. So I start that way. I um, I have weekly agendas and so I kind of follow the agendas, but I also have to, you know, 12 years of teaching, you still have to recreate things that you've done in the past. And so I've never been the teacher. Like if you were my sophomore this year, you're going to do maybe 40% of the same thing, maybe 30% that the sophomore the year before you did. Like I change things all the time because I get bored. Like I think I have ADD probably that no one's ever told me, but I don't want to teach the same thing. So I do a lot of research, take out books, see what's going on in the world. Like the Cambodian genocide was what 
three, the anniversary of the Cambodia genocide was three years ago. So we read a book in class on the Cambodian genocide. So, wow, um, yeah. you know, and I haven't done that book in the last three years. So like, I kind of keep up obviously with current events in history um, to give my kids new things. So one, so they can't steal each other's essays either. Like it just helps. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you always keep it fresh. They can't pass it from one brother to a sister or whatever. Um, so this year it's taking all of that I've learned and putting it into, we're a Google district. So creating Google forms or Jamboards or whatever. And some days I kind of just throw it out the window. Like, yes, I did all this hard work, but you know, the verdict of joy, uh, of, um, you know, from George Floyd's death came up. We're going to talk about this today. So, um, right. or this came up on the news this morning. We're going to talk about this today. And so, um, or I forgot, like it's Holocaust Remembrance Day. And so I just remembered what I saw on the news. So I just, I've been doing this so long, like I can make anything into a lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah. You take your current event and, and, and you make it fit. And so um, I try to be as encouraging as I can. Um, my seniors, I know this year, but my sophomores, I don't know. Like mm -hmm. I don't know all of them. I don't see their faces. So mm -hmm. I infuse humor sarcastic and as witty and wonderful that I am I try to be humorous and fun I mean a lot of what we do is entertainment right I mean it yes. is even if I were in the classroom um I dance so I know even though I can't see they can't see me I'm dancing like in the background and I know they're laughing at me but I'm okay like I'm okay being made fun of like I have to because I'm trying to build again build those relationships build those connections with the kids no. um so it's a lot more uh, teacher and my classes are usually a lot more student. So by the end of the day, I'm like wiped out, yeah, like yeah. wiped out completely. Like I've been giving, you know, I know you can't give more than a hundred percent, but it feels like I'm giving more than a hundred percent just to kind of keep them engaged since very few students are participating or, um, you get to know your kids by their little mini, like you said, the writing, right? Like I said earlier on, the little bits of writing that they share. Mm -hmm. I read everything, all hundred attendance forms every day. Mm -hmm. So, and I would write down little notes because I'm old and I forget, write down little notes. So then the next day, oh, thank you so much, so-and-so for sharing this about you. Or my favorite color of purples too. And you call out the students' names in the different classes or whatever. And they start to warm up and you just want to be there for them. Some of my kids didn't have food after that big power outage yeah. right. that we had at Texas freeze. And so I asked them on their attendance form, do you have food? Do you have water? Do you have electricity? Do you have, and I read all of them and reported back. And I was fortunate enough to share that information with my principal and my district. And they did get food out to my kids That's perfect. And, and things to my students. So, um, you know, just, just being there for them. Like I didn't have a problem. I'm almost at hundred percent of my students star testing. Like they had to come into the campus to test mm -hmm. and all my kids showed up because they feel like they owe me, I guess, or, you know, or they were yeah. threatened one or the other. Whichever <laughs> Allegedly. This is the most backwards cult I've ever heard of, by the way. <laughs> Not that I've heard of a lot of cults, but there you go. Oh, I teach cults too, which I probably shouldn't have done in the classroom. Oh. I do teach cults. Oh, nice. We do a lot of random stuff in my classroom. <laughs> Always relevant, though. Definitely. Always relevant. 
this this was the year where well for Vicente and I we started off um you know year one together um this was the year where we were supposed to decide whether or not teaching like was for, for us right the saying is try it out for three years you know after that you'll know whether it's for you and um you know we've been robbed of of our of our third year experience I mean what what we're going through right now I mean as, as much as we try to make it you know, uh, to make it, make it an authentic classroom. We just, you know, we, we have our, we have our good days. We have our bad days. Um, you know, what I've been seeing more and more of, which I really like is I'm actually having students. I, what I tell my students, because our district is allowing students to show up at any time during the fourth quarter, uh, they can just, they can show up, they can try out face-to-face -face learning see how it is, decide if it's for them. If they want to come one day, awesome. Two days, awesome. If they want to finish off the quarter, you know, face-to-face, uh, -face, it's perfect. I've been just trying to tell my students, um, you know, listen, try it out one day because, you know, it looks like we could possibly be going back face-to-face -face in August and it's going to be a short summer and you don't want to be overwhelmed, but, uh, you know, da -da -da -da. Um, you know, I'm having more students show up, but I'm also having those students who are showing up show a lot of signs of social anxiety that they did not have last year. I had one instance um, that happened this week where uh, there's a student that I'm a, I have a good rapport with. Um, you know, the student doesn't really have a good rapport with other teachers, but, you know, the student and I, we, uh, you know, we're, we're locked. We, we understand one another. Well, the student is scanning the room, seeing all of the new students that are trying out face-to-face -face learning. And, you know, the student just calls out one particular student, looks at me and says, hey, is he supposed to be in this classroom? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not kicking him out. Yes, he's he's in the classroom. You know, I've called on him to answer a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the student starts to get a little defensive, the one who was called out. And then they start going, you know, going at one another. And I, I walk outside with the student who initiated it. And I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, this wasn't you last year. You know, they just kind of explained to me like, hey, you know, I'm just not used to being in a room with people anymore. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is not normal to me. And it just like it hit me right that we can have these highs and, and we can teach culture and, you know, spoon feed them little bits of their identity and all the amazing things that we would do in an authentic classroom. But like what we really have to focus on for the remainder of this year and, and start building on next year are those social skills, right? Which make an English classroom because as English teachers, we have the ability to, I always tell my students, like we have the ability to teach life, you know, and you all can teach each other more than I can ever teach you like better than I can ever teach you. So th those are just some of the things that I've been noticing in my classroom. So yeah, social skills, I think, are necessary everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, it goes back to culture, too. Like, um, my principal was getting her PhD, and she said that part of her, well, she's she's already completed it, but she said part of her PhD program was an etiquette class, like how to eat at a fancy dinner. And so, you know, we've lost a lot of those, those things in general anyway. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Now with COVID, like you said, I, I don't necessarily know how to talk to people or like smile and fake it and be nice. I, I, I'm, I've never been that person anyway, but we have to learn how to just give each other grace. And so I think 
as teachers, we give our students a lot more grace than we give each other or even that we give ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for us to, you know, forgive the kid for dropping that F-bomb in class. Um, but, you know, if you have a good rapport for the students talking to them and setting it those things up, you know, and we do have to teach them how to interact with people again. Um, I, I've always never really interacted normal anyway. Like, that's just me. I've always been the person to stand out in the crowd. I've realized all the groups that I've been a part of, they've every, every group or every cohort or everything that I've done in my life, they're like, this has been an abnormal year. I'm like, thanks. Like, I just realized it's me. <laughs> so I just embrace it and, yeah. and move on with it. But I share those things with my students too. Like, hey, I get it. Like, I don't know how to act either, but we're going to get through this together. That whole mm-hmm. alone together, right? That, yeah. which is whatever. That's just so stupid, but it's true, right? We're, we're alone yeah. together. And we have to figure it out and we have to give each other grace, but we have to express those to our kids too. Like, I understand how you're feeling, but can we tone it down a bit? Can we take a walk outside? Can we go get some water? Hey, I always have candy and food. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the mother of the campus. Like I'm always dishing out food and stuff. And so, um, and I have cold water in my fridge. And so the kids come and grab and, and so they know that they can count on you for that stuff because they may not have anyone else in their lives to do that right yeah um just to be there you know or or sit there and complain and like okay you're mad i get it okay sit there i'm gonna sit here right next to you until you tell me otherwise and and i think even as adults we need that sometimes like i just need you to sit here with me i don't want to hear you just sit here you know exactly. yeah. and knowing what you. works for you it's like you yeah. guys teach so it's like teaching kids different strategies to pass the stupid test i hate the star test just for the record um, <laughs> no. you know you teach your kids your different strategies Absolutely. and you tell them what works for you it's the same coping mechanisms that we're having to teach and reteach when yeah. we do go back to a fully face-to-face in an environment where you're going to have 20 plus different personalities plus you the adult in the room uh, who's supposed to like know how to do how to handle all of that like no they're teenagers you don't know how to handle all of that like I don't know how to handle me in a room full of teenagers. You know, they're more of them than they are of me at the end of the day. Like you can overpower right. me. Like I'm still like, they're more. <laughs> Statistics wise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh no, really? Like they can overpower me. You haven't seen me. I'm only five, two. Like <laughs> they can totally overpower me. <laughs> yeah. physically too. Um, but teaching them like, you know, it's okay to feel a certain way. We just have to learn how to deal with it because For in the sure. real world, unfortunately they can get killed for yeah. acting a certain way. I mean, that's just the way the world is right now. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I think just to speak to, to my classroom experience, it's, it's much of the same vein of a lot of relearning things that, I mean, of, of course, we always go back to reteaching, right? If we notice that, okay, this kid doesn't know how to use a comma, like, let's, let's revisit that. Let's, let's go back over that topic. But it's interesting to see that with social skills in particular. And then also just, uh, I mean, of course, social emotional learning, who they are and how to process, you know, external stimuli in a way in which they weren't used to before, you know, like they're so used to wearing masks. So facial expressions are less of a thing. Um, They are used to being right next to a mic. So speaking up is way less of a thing. So it's all these like little, you know, just snippets of them being able to express themselves that aren't needed right now with online learning 
And so like, I'm absolutely looking forward to being able to be in person with a lot of them, but from the, the tidbits that I've seen, it's a lot of like, that's one other barrier to entry for them off the bat. And so I, I think it's just a lot of transitions that they're going to have to get used to that we are as well. And, and along the lines that you said, Evelyn, right, that we're learning with them through all of this, right? And that we are very much a part of that growing process uh, <laughs> in all aspects, right? Whether it's, you know, learning the materials that we need to or just learning how to be a person again in an actual classroom. It's, it's wild. And um, yeah, just to think of you being the adult in the room, like it always happens every now and then we're like, mm, yeah, I am the authority figure i'm in charge here if anybody gets injured it's on me it's it's on me oh yeah i tell my students if if you die don't die inside of my classroom because i don't want to do paperwork like can you go die by the science teacher he loves paperwork like that's not my deal and they look at me like what are you talking i said no like i'm not a paperwork person so but uh don't give yourselves like yes technically it's your third year but it's it's your first year all over again, but it's my first year all over again. Yeah. You know, it's all of our first year all over again. And, um, and so don't, I mean, I don't know what y'all want to do with your lives. I still tell people I'm 40 and I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if this is for me for forever, you know, um, but we shouldn't limit ourselves. You know, we are living in an age where you can reinvent yourself. I mean, people do it all the time. Um, you can reinvent yourself. Careers is just careers. Money is just money. I mean, it's, helpful but it's just money at the end of the day you know yeah. um our society is you got to be happy right and so but finding something that you really love and you really enjoy and surrounding yourselves around good people like the fact that you two are friends i totally see it like i haven't talked to chris in what seven, six seven eight nine i don't even know how long i don't do math i'm totally an english teacher like since he's <laughs> absolutely yeah oh, uh, um you know and and I can see why you guys are friends and surrounding yourself with good people and having those mentors and those teachers or those people who have influenced you throughout your life, keeping them close and their lessons are, are, are super important. I mean, I, I still look to people who are, <laughs> who are older than me, who are my mentors, but also like you young people inspire me like you do, you know, um, you young people, the young people in my classroom, um, some of the things I see my own kids and their friends doing, it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, it's never too late. Like it's not too late to, to do something or find a new hobby or just learning something new. Like you do learn something new every day, whether you like it or not, you're going to learn something new every day. Even if it's just sitting on the couch, watching TV, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, or exactly. And the new it, channel, new show. Oh, go, go for it. No. in in your explanation, you know, you give, give some hope because I know talking to, so I'm new at my campus. So this is the worst time to be a new teacher on the campus as well, because I've gone to know three teachers. Uh, and then everyone else kind of looks at me like, Hey, um, you're, who are you subbing for today? Um, I actually had security kick me out of my, try to kick me out of my classroom two weeks ago, uh, because they thought I was a sub that, and they're like, you know, Hey, this teacher doesn't have a class right now. I'm the teacher. No, 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 no. This teacher doesn't have a class, right? Anyway, uh, that's pretty much exactly how it went. It was horrible. Like I was wearing the ID badge, I was wearing the school shirt, like everything, nothing, nothing. Like they would not believe me. Um, you know, but you, you, you offer, you offer hope. And I, I think everybody, everybody needs to realize, everybody in education needs to realize like hope is on the horizon. Like this was the year, you know, where it didn't matter how things went. They just, they needed to go. 
you know, we needed to put together this, you know, Frankenstein's monster of a school year in order just to kind of give these kids like a little bit of a little bit of normal in their lives. And um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a topic uh, as, as far as ending this podcast, though, uh, let's end with uh, the best classroom experience. We'll go around, talk about our best classroom experience. There's got to be at least one good one. I know Vicente's. Vicente, I don't know if you want to share it. I don't. I I know yours. I know yours. It's the joke Wait, that you I said your first year. The joke that you said oh, your first year. No. The joke okay. that just came out. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it, hey, just just for okay. this for editing purposes, I can edit this out. But like, okay. this is obviously perfect, perfect. needs to hear this. We're friends now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Okay. So first year. You are learning to be not just a person, but authority figure and everything's supposed to be super, you know, you know, clean slate. You are authority figure. They are a student. And then, you know, but things slip out. Right. Um, I forget what we were even talking about, but I have a kid and there's always a kid that's extremely curious. No matter what you're talking about, they will ask a question that has nothing to do with the lesson whatsoever. And so instead of ignoring him or just saying like, hey, we need to get back on topic. I got in the habit of just answering whatever question it was and then it'd be like oh okay and then we just move on and be like okay but or that ties into our lesson um but there was one day where he asked uh because i mean my wife now girl uh, fiance at the time uh they knew about her again one of the questions he asked but he asked another question very basic right everyone asks questions uh do you happen to have any kids and quick response didn't think about it i said not that i know of and then i continued <laughs> teaching and then i immediately <laughs> got super red and i was like wait, wait, wait no 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 and like okay so there were like students in the back that had no idea what just happened other students that were clicking on like like why is everyone freaking out and i had like <laughs> three boys like fr like just laughing their ass off and just like oh Mr. Lopez I get it Mr. Lopez and I'm like no 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 like there's nothing to get <laughs> it was like I misspoke but let's talk about grammar again and so it was <laughs> yeah. uh, there was no going back from that but they saw me differently they saw me as a human so there was some benefit to that but it just it slipped out <laughs> unfortunately it was not planned uh, but they saw me again as a real person so there, there's some benefit to that there is a positive there are, it's, you know, I have to remind my students too. I'm not your friend. Like, yeah, we could be cool, but I'm not your friend. Like I'm your mm -hmm. teacher at the end of the day. And I, I, you know, my thing now, because I'm old enough to be their parent. Well, I was old enough to be their parent back then too, but um, I'm like, why would you want to be friends with a 40 year old? Like, that's weird. Like, that's weird. You're, yeah. you're 14 years old. That, that That's just a weird concept. And I get it because culturally down here, right? Like, you know, your Theos or your cousins could be 40 and you're 14. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, but I'm like, no, like we can't be friends. Like once you graduate high school, yeah, that we could be friends. Like it's cool. Fine. Whatever. But I can't be your friend if I'm supposed to be in charge. Like there yeah, still right. needs to maintain that line. And um, I had a lot of awesome, like awesome classroom experiences. Um, I mean, I've been doing this quite a while, right? And every class is different. Every hour, you guys know, every yes. hour is different. Even yeah. online, like even online, every hour is different. 
like one like you can be so like first period forget <laughs> it because everybody's the same first period doesn't matter like doesn't count online or in person mm-hmm. doesn't matter right but second period and then by the time you get to seventh period you're just like oh right whatever um yeah. and they're all wired up after lunch um even online like <laughs> So um, a lot of cool classrooms experience. One time I drew, I was telling the kids, like, this was more recent. I was telling the kids, like, I can't draw. And so I was like, all I draw is stick people. They're like, miss, how would you draw if she was pregnant? And so I drew a pregnant stick person. Like, (laughs) that was like a joke in my classroom for like forever. Um, One of my, like, actually, I think it was your class, Chris. Like, when I started teaching with your grade level, uh, your class year Uh anyway. My kids like Miss Miss Gonzalez. I know where you get your pants from. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I know where you get your pants from, because I was wearing American Eagle pants and it had a little eagle on the back pocket that happens to be on my behind. Right. So that was super inappropriate. <laughs> of course, of course. So I had to talk to the students about being appropriate in the classroom, yeah. and I'm still old enough to whip them. Um, I, I, I tell my students, uh, text leads in corporate punishment. So I'm allowed to hit you once without getting in trouble. (laughs) So they all freak out with that. Um, but I, I have way too many good classroom experiences. My first year teaching though, I, I mean, you don't know what you're doing. Like year one, year two, you have no clue what you're doing. I am an English communications major. I did alternative certification program. Um, they were wanting me to do uh, alternative certification from four through eight. And I'm like, mm, no, thank you. Um, I remember myself as a middle school student. I was a real ugly person. As I'm like, if I'm ugly now, like I was super ugly and hormonal in middle school. So I'm like, no, thank you. I'll take the eight through 12. I'm going straight to high school. Mm-hmm. And so I get in and one of the students from that class still keeps in contact with me to this day. And he lives out in, uh, in, in Massachusetts. He's anyway, whatever. Uh, but I remember sitting in a class and I was trying to do like a lit circle or some kind of discussion and everyone was in the circle. And I remember sitting in the middle circle and no one wanted to communicate with me. And I'm like, guys, I'm really trying here. Like I'm sitting on the floor at a public school. Let's just, you know, go to that. Like clearly I didn't care. And everyone's around me, all these big old high school kids who are like way taller than me, right? Sitting on the floor, like, I really want to work with you. I really want to help you. Just talk to me. Like on the verge of crying because no one would want to share or no one wanted to talk about the reading or want to do anything. And that's like, ah. Like, I don't know if it was a good classroom experience. Um, I have, like, even this year, I saw students struggling, and I've referred them to special education because no one had referred them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and here they no. are. It's, you know, um, they're, you know they're, they're, they're sophomores in high school. Um, I've actually, this year, I've referred two students and both qualified. And so I'm grateful that now they're getting the help, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've had a lot of, good classroom experiences. Um, at Edinburgh High School, I had a kid cuss me out, like cuss me out, like we've had to call security for, um, because I've never had someone be so disrespectful, like one or two cuss words, but somebody like cuss, cuss me out, like, mm-hmm. like I straight write. Chicago gangster cuss me oh. out, like <laughs> I could have hit her kind of deal, you know. Um, but I've also had good experiences where the kids like, like Chris and other students come back and look for me and share good stories about how I said something impactful 
in a positive way, not, not a negative way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and that makes me feel good. Like, you know, you're one of the few teachers who cared. Uh, there was a student who graduated from my school district and basically like, it was a negative comment about this district in the school. And I reached out like, Hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like mm-hmm. if I could change that. He's like, no, out of all of the teachers, you were the one teacher who actually cared and believed in me. And that's because he failed my class. And wow. so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what we do. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if I answered your question. There've been so many moments no. yeah. that like, just stick with you and and you remember the kids and as writing teachers right we teach writing you the longer you do it the more like I forget kids names but I recognize their handwriting like mm-hmm. I can recognize the kids handwriting like oh this is so and so this is so and so um especially if you have a multiple years like if you have a multiple years you you get to know the kids you see their growth um I'm at a district where I've seen like my seniors they were my freshman students they were my sophomore year students some of them were my students junior year and now they're my senior year students and they come back to me like miss I just came to school to see you and then they leave after my class I'm like you can't do that but you know there 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 are amazing things and then you know social media I see a lot of my former students that way they're like thank you so much and you know, you have all your coffee mugs, like from every kid. And I can tell you who, which kid gave me what, whatever. Yeah. They know, I, they know I'm fast. So they bring me food too. So that, that helps. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, training your coach early. My birthday's Valentine's day. I expect a present. And hmm. I mean, I would remember Chris's birthday, Vicente, but I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. Duly noted. Heading <laughs> to the cult. <laughs> I love this, like referencing other pods. Like that's fantastic. I do my homework. I do my yeah, homework. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, best, best classroom experience had to have been, um, I mean, last year we, we almost got a full year in, right? Three quarters of the way. Um, uh, my first year, like you mentioned, not knowing what to do. Every day is, yeah, every day is, 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 is a mystery for, for every teacher, but uh, your, your first year, every day is, you know, a mystery, but with like so much more added anxiety. Um, but there was a, there's a student that just all year long, like just did not want to connect with me at all. And I made it a personal mission to connect with this student and just, just everything tried to ask him questions. Nope nothing wasn't having it. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I don't know what clicked. Uh, we had this kind of like homeroom period at, at, uh, at Vicente's campus, my former campus. And, uh, I started passing out comic books. I was like, you guys do nothing, but, you know, sit on your phones, like here, be nerds. Here's some comic books. Like here's some Marvel and DC comic books. He, um, he got really into them. And then the next day, um, on my desk is a journal and I'm like, like who the hell just like put a journal like on my desk? Like, is there like anthrax in this? Like what's going on? Like I got like really freaked out. Right. <laughs> and so at the end of class, he's kind of like packing up the stuff and everything. And I'm like, uh, like why is he taking so long to, to, to leave? And he, uh, he's about to walk out of the room and he turns around and he's like, Hey, um, I wrote something. I left it on your desk. Like, do you mind, do you mind reading it? And I was like, yeah, sure. He started writing a story. 
Uh, and he was like six pages in and he wanted me to read it. And this is a student that just like could not connect with all year long and, and it, and it happened. And then he just ended up like, he would not continue writing until I gave him notes, which I'm totally underqualified to give him notes, but I just was like, Hey, name this character. This character doesn't have a name. Like just trying to find anything to just like cement that relationship. Because I mean, if, if the listeners are going to leave with anything, it's just that, you know, your, your teacher, good teachers uh, establish those relationships early on. And, you know, we, we understand just how precious those are. By now I've seen, you figure, you figure at least a hundred kids a year, right? In, yeah. in high school, high school mm-hmm. world, yeah. right? So 12 years, a hundred kids, like that's a lot of people, right? I got, I got yeah. a lot of people that I have somehow come in contact with. And for somebody who came to the Valley knowing basically no one, like people know who I am now. And like, oh, you were my teacher. I'm like, oh my gosh, like trying to go back. Like, what did I do to this person? Like, mm-hmm. I totally was panicking. Like, what the hell did I tell Chris? Like, what did I tell Chris? <laughs> I can't remember. Nope. Like, you, you don't remember what you do. You just do what you do, you know? Right. And I love, I love learning and I love English because you're always learning something. There's always a new book. Like, there's always something new. And so I, before we leave, I have to read part of this because I promised Chris, I promised Chris, and this is for you. I said, Chris, this is for you and Vicente. Like, this is for you guys. And he's like, I got you something, Vicente. I got you something through Mrs. Avila. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Oh, wow. Go for it. Yo soy Joaquin. I am cocked. Gautamatek, proud and noble, leader of men, king of an empire civilized beyond the, G- the dreams of Guapin Cortez, who also is the in the blood, the image of myself. I was part in blood and spirit of that courageous village priest, Hidalgo, who rang the bell of independence and gave out the lasting cry, a grito de dolores, que mueren los capachines y que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. And it continues because I am walking la raza, just so you know. There you go. How cultured is Joaquin? There's so much of a mythos and backstory to these men now. So I am Joaquin was written by Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez, a Chicano activist from Denver, Colorado in 1967. So he was a professional boxer and then he became a civil rights activist for the Chicano movement. And there you go, sir. So everything is a lesson, my friend. So Joaquin (laughs) is very rooted in our Chicanoism. And so I'm totally assuming you are a Valley Chicano proud. Um, I could be wrong. So Absolutely. No, no. Hit the nail on the head. And adding to that culture. Thank you. (laughs) Educators are always (laughs) learning. And I appreciate the teachable moment. I'm going to have to listen back to that. That was incredible. Yeah, but that was a totally bad. Again, I was drinking wine before this podcast and this is way (laughs) past my bedtime. So you're good. uh, good. Find it and read it better. Um, But there is um, there. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. Definitely. Well, there you go, listener. Don't stop learning. I think that's it. I think we've made Vicente uh, as uncomfortable as he's ever going to get on this <laughs> podcast, or at least thus far. Um, you know, anytime uh, you want to join my classroom, you're more than welcome. I'll zoom you in. <laughs> oh, I will take you up on you. that. I mean, I had my appraiser in on my lesson. I told her she needs to participate too. So I'm just saying, we'll make everybody <laughs> hot. Damn, I can't wait to get to that level. 
Um, listen, as, as we, you know, we prepare to wind down, it's super important. Those people that have had an impact on your life, you know, reestablish that connection with them. Uh, thank them for, for what they do. Uh, Mrs. Avila, we thank you for, for joining us, for sharing your experiences, for sharing your wisdom. Uh, because I know that I myself am leaving this podcast with, with a lot more, uh, than, than what I came into it with. So I'm, I'm really excited to listen to this back as well. I'm kind of scared because I still don't remember what I said, but I humbly thank you guys. <laughs> I really thank you guys. Um, I, you, when you approached me and said I was a legend, I didn't like, I don't like to think of myself as a legend. I just do what I do. Um, but it's, it's been fun. I thank you both. It's very nice meeting you. Very nice reestablishing the connection, Chris. I can't wait to hang out with you all. You all seem fun, especially if you're drinking a little rosé. That that would be fun to watch. <laughs> Slightly tipsy from what? Okay, I'm lightweight. <laughs> Listener, you have to understand a glass of rosé is a lot in terms of alcohol content. But aside from defending myself, we thank you so much. We appreciate your, your insight and the impact you've had on, on the culture. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. We've been the Local Language Podcast. Uh, We out of here.